Welcome to the Razball Hockey Podcast. This is Viz, joined as always by Reed. Reed, how goes it? Uh, it goes well. Um, yeah, I got my water, my coffee, my kombucha here. Like, we're good to go, man. I'm ready to talk some hockey. It's been a while. Yeah, for sure. And I, I wanted to talk about a bunch of different uh, goaltending situations right now. There are a lot of people who are struggling to find number three goalies for their leagues, goalies who could end up making a big difference down the stretch. Uh, we could start in a few different places. Do you have any goalie situation in particular you want to talk about? we got the Blues, uh, the Blackhawks. Uh, even the Flyers, Sharks, anyone you want to go with right off the bat? Uh, I know that you wanted to talk about three of those teams, so I guess I'll just take the one that you that you uh, didn't really mention beforehand um, or before we hit record. I think Chicago is the one that really interests me a lot. Um, there's sort of a dynamic that's an interesting dynamic that's happening. Uh, Chicago does have Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taze a little bit on the tail on like the downward slope of their primes mm-hmm. and they cannot afford to just miss the playoffs. And with Corey Crawford uh, suffering vertigo like symptoms and they're worried he's going to be out for the year. Um, if he's out for the year, they don't make the playoffs. Like right now they're sitting outside the playoffs. Mm-hmm. They actually need to go on a run in order to get in the playoffs. Um, I think the lo- I think the wild card spot held by the Kings is definitely obtainable. The Kings have slipped off quite a bit since their hot start. Mm-hmm. Um, the problem is Anaheim's getting healthy. Colorado is on a seven game winning streak. Oh yeah, um, we'll talk about them too. I forgot. Yeah, to Minnesota's that. playing really well, and also when we talk about them, Nate McKinnon needs to be in serious consideration for the uh, the, Hart. the Hart Trophy. Yeah. Um, I think we did a podcast earlier this year saying odds on the heart, and it was a, you know, if Colorado gets on a run and they make the playoffs, Nate McKinnon might have to be in a, might be your front runner. And yeah, well, I think we said like he'd at least be a top five consideration. Now, I mean, he's been so good that <laughs> I think no he's, he's got to be your top leader. Five. Uh, I think he's your leader right it's now. Tough to say, I mean, you, people are still going to gravitate to Kucherov because he's on pace to have the most points in a season in like ten years if he keeps up this 120 almost point pace, Good. you do have McKinnon probably next. I mean, I personally think Blake Wheeler deserves a ton of credit for Winnipeg staying as good as they were are without Shifley, but McKinnon is right there for sure. Yeah. Um, okay. So back to Chicago, um, their goaltending, it is not good mm-hmm. with that behind Corey Crawford. It is just not good. I believe Anton Forsberg is their new number one. Yeah, I mean, and, they've been playing glass too. Like glass, so glass first started four games. Then they they played three in a row with with Forsberg. Then you know Glass had a real good game against Winnipeg, and then he gave up four on twenty six against Chicago or against Detroit. Sorry, and they lost four nothing to Detroit, which is obviously a horrible loss. So I mean, his numbers now through through three or six games glass. He's got a nine ten save percentage, not the end of the world, but that comes with the over goals against it of three point one eight. So I mean that's obviously nothing special. And and Forsberg is basically in the same situation. I mean twelve games, nine eleven save percentage, uh, two point nine two goals against and he only has three wins in twelve games started. So I mean the drop offs is so big I I would be shocked if they made the playoffs uh, barring a trade 
for an improved goalie if Crawford doesn't come back. And as we talked about before, we just don't know what goalies are even going to be available, uh, if any, for them to be able to acquire either. Yeah, um, I like the number one goalie on the market. It, it has to be Robin Leonard, right? Yeah, I mean, like, I, I it, guess. it has to be. And at this point, he has to be on the market. You can't, the Sabres can't sit there and be like, no, he's not. No, we're, we're, we're like, we're yeah. going to hold on to him for the rest of the season. Like, you either sign him to an extension now or you trade him. I mean, my, my big thing was I would only trade him for a, a good package because I just think he's a very good goalie. And you might be able to get that just because of the lack of other goalies available. I mean, there's one other guy that we'll talk about later uh, for the Sharks, Aaron Dell. He's a free agent, and he's making 625 k So he could fit into any other teams. Would the Sharks be willing to move him to another team they're not necessarily fighting for for the playoffs, but just get rid of their security blanket for Jones? I have my doubts. But, I mean, there's no way they're going to be able to afford to re-sign him, so maybe they would. He's the only, like, only other guy I think of that's played really well and is a definite upgrade. Like, I really like the upside of Peter Morazic, but his his numbers are worse than Glass and Forsberg's right now. So that's just gambling on a different guy that you hope to to pan out. Yeah, um, I think it's just interesting. It's I think a lot of it comes down to is Chicago trying to make the playoffs this year, which. If you're Stan Bowman, you have to. Right. I mean, you try and make you, like <laughs> you can't not try and make the playoffs if, if you're Chicago because your prospect pool isn't very good. No. You have Brent Seabrook for like a million more years at a terrible cap number. Yeah. Like at some point, you're going to like have to go through a bad spot, but you need to win. You need to try and at least win one more cup. Mm-hmm. And the problem is too, like. You're paying Kane and Taves $21 million between them. Saad is locked in for a long time for $6 million. I mean, I guess they'll be able to get off Hosa's number now, assuming he never was able to come back. But you're so lot Like, you have no breathing room at all. Like, you already have four def- or their bottom five defensemen, if you count their scratches. None of them make more than $1.3 million, and, and Ruda is the only one over a million. You have all these forwards that are a, a million or less. Like you don't have anywhere to cut costs either. That's part of the problem with Laner. Like, I mean, if they trade for him, I guess they could flip him somewhere else in the off season. It's not that you can afford to keep him, and he's an RFA. You usually, don't see teams just completely cut bait with RFAs. So, man, I, I feel like you almost have to go for it. I mean, if you don't. Kane and Taves, or Kane, is going to be going into. His age 30 year next year, Taves is about to turn 30. Well, he's going to turn 30 in April. So during the playoffs, the window is starting to close on on this franchise, especially like you said, their prospect pool is one of the worst in the league, uh, probably bottom five off the top of my head. So I think their hands kind of forced. I think they have to try to do something in that because, I mean, Glass and Forsberg just – aren't that good. I mean, are you even willing, are, are you owning those guys in fantasy? Uh, either one. No, of them? no, I, I just don't trust it. 
Like, how can you trust them? That's what I mean. Like, you look at, I mean, Forsberg played well the last three games. I mean, he gave up five goals combined on, let's see, 50, 85 shots, got two wins. And it was against, you know, Edmonton, Ottawa, Minnesota, not exactly world beaters. But the problem with streaming these guys is you don't know when you're going to get their good games. I mean, you look at Glass's numbers, uh, you know, he. Like I said, he, he shut down Winnipeg, and then he gave up a lot to Detroit. So, I mean, the only reason Chicago was in it to begin with is because Crawford was playing so damn well. I mean, mm-hmm. even after a little rough patch at the end when he was starting to uh, feel these symptoms, he's still sitting at a 227-929. So, I mean, they're just not going to get that again. There's no matter, <laughs> unless some complete miracle happens, they're going to take such a hit in goaltending, and they're just not good enough offensively or defensively anymore to compensate that. Uh, if you look at the athletics, per, uh, their projection system, they have Chicago at about 30% now, and I assume that's with – or that's under the assumption that Crawford's going to be done now. But, I mean, there's so many teams in their way. Like, they're sitting in 12th right now. But the only team they could catch with their one game in hand they have is on Anaheim. Otherwise, I mean, you're you're already behind five on the Wild. The Wild play one more – or three on the Wild, so they could catch them. But you're five behind the Stars. You're three behind the Kings. You're – the Blues have fallen off a bit, but you're still seven behind them. There's just so many teams you have to hop. And, I mean, the one good thing for them is the schedule is so division-heavy that they're going to play these teams that are ahead of them. But you're playing them with a weaker team. And I just – I said before the year that I picked them to finish fifth in the division, and I thought they probably would get the last playoff spot but could miss. Uh yeah, now it's really looking like they missed, and I wish I had a betting ticket on their under for their season total. Yeah, it, it'll definitely be interesting to see what some of these teams do. Chicago normally does some uh, nifty cap maneuvering at the trade deadline, but this year's just going to be tough for them because they have so little cap room, they have these injuries, and the team just isn't as good. Yeah, also, do you think thing. there's a dynamic uh, – sorry to cut you off. Do you think there's a dynamic of these teams in the West saying there's no way Edmonton's going to be this bad next year? We should try and just take the run now while we can. Congratulations, um, No, I don't, I don't necessarily – I mean, I don't see why they can't be that bad again, to be honest. Uh, like, as long as Shirelli's in charge, I don't trust them to, to keep improving this roster. I mean, sure, they're going to get a top pick more than likely at this rate. Who knows how good that guy is going to be right off the bat. But uh, I don't think they're too worried about it. I mean, I'd be more worried about, like, Nationals. It's still got – they're in their prime. Uh, I mean, Colorado is going to get better. They're a team that I think come next year probably is a near – not playoff lock, but they'd be a playoff favorite. I think Winnipeg is obviously going to keep getting better. Their core is younger. So Edmonton is obviously lurking. And if they are able to get lucky in the lottery and move into the top three, then we could be talking about them doing some real damage again. I mean, obviously could just having McDavid. But 
I don't think that's the team's main concern necessarily. Uh, looks like Chicago actually has three and a half million in space right now, uh, probably because they can they are able to put Hosa off. Uh, oh, and Crawford is on. Uh, oh no, yeah, Hosa's on long-term injured reserve, so they could take his money off. So they should be able to add somebody if they can find a deal. But again, it's hard to be able to convince a team to do a deal given their lack of prospects. Yeah, it would have to be almost all picks, which again hurts Chicago in the long run because right. then if you're taking all their picks, then they have no prospects to re- restock. Yeah, I mean, you have a few decent defensemen. You know, the guys they took in the first and second round this year, uh, Yoki Haru, I think, the, the Finnish defenseman, and I'm blanking. But they have their, their top 50-ish prospects, a couple of them. But if you move them, now you're back at square one, and God knows, I mean, they need those defensemen already because, I mean, Forsling's been kind of interesting, but... I mean, Duncan Keats, 34, is going to be 35 in the summer. You can't keep playing him this many minutes. And like you said, I mean, Seabrook's the worst contract in the league. We talked about that repeatedly, and now it's just getting even worse. And there's still six years left on it. I mean, they're already praying that in the next CBA, there's a buyout thing and they get out of that contract. It's how bad it is. Yeah. Um, Another goalie situation that you were – Oh, another one, I guess, that kind of interests me. I guess that was a little bit long-winded on Chicago. Carolina. Yeah, I mean, my my bold – I did a post, a prediction for every team, not necessarily a, a bold one, both, but relatively bold. But the Carolina one was just – they trade for a goalie, but nothing changes. Uh, it, Darling's not going anywhere. No one's taking him with how bad he's played, and he's got he signed a four-year deal, so he's got three years left after this one. I could see them cutting ties with Cam Ward finally, though. And if they try to trade for somebody, um, again, it's back to the same thing. Like, it's hard to predict what goalie would come in, and it's hard to predict for the goalie to play well because unless it's Laner, you're still – I mean, Dell is the same risk as Darling was. So, yep. So you have no guarantees. And, I mean, this is clearly a playoff roster through the top, you know, the 18 skaters. But I, I just the goalie situation is just so bad. I mean, I was all in on Darling before the year. That's my biggest whiff by a mile. And Cam Ward hasn't been any better. I mean, their team save percentage has got to be around 900 because Darling's at 895 and Ward's at 904. They're actually below because Darling's played more games than Ward. I mean, that's just disgusting. Yeah. Yeah. Uh... I like they should be trying to grab a goalie, and I don't think that they're going to do the same like Scott Darling, Aaron yeah. Dell right. type like, deal. That yeah. makes no sense. Like, like if they did get Morazic, for example, like I would pick up Morazic everywhere just in case. You know, the situation is perfect. These guys just keep failing, so I would be all for you know taking the shot if that happened. You know, Morazic did shut out Chicago on Sunday, maybe. He gets on a, a decent run here and boosts his stock, and Detroit's willing to move him. I don't know, but I just—it's a situation where I'm like Chicago. You know, unless Chicago gets like Laner, I don't think it's going to change. I can see like I think it's more likely that a mediocre to decent goalie that has a little upside gets on a heater in Carolina than they do in Chicago. Now it's stacked against both of them because their divisions are both brutal. 
But I don't know. I kind of have more faith in Carolina as a team defensively than I do Chicago's. Yeah, and and one other thing to keep in mind for Carolina, for goalies, they have the rest of the season, they play five more games at home than they do on the road. Like, that... That helps out. Like goalies just play better at home more most likely than not. So it's again something to help out, something to keep in mind. Um trade deadline is February twenty-sixth. For those of you wondering when the fuck is this trade deadline, it's February twenty-sixth. We're five weeks out. But it's important to start talking about it now because it's starting to shape up who are buyers, who are sellers, and Teams might jump the gun now to just try and get the leg up. Or, like, if you're in a fringe spot, if you're, like, Chicago, Anaheim, Colorado, Minnesota, L.A., or Carolina, Philadelphia, the Islanders, Pittsburgh, Rangers, mm-hmm. you're you're going to need to buy. It's almost wiser to buy sooner than later so that you get that advantage so it puts you more comfortably in the playoffs. Absolutely. I feel like a lot of teams just the trade deadline to me, it makes no sense why teams wait until like the last minute on the trade deadline to make a trade. Yeah, at that point, you don't really get, I mean, you give yourself a decent amount of time, but not enough that it's going to make a drastic difference. I mean, at that point, there's usually less than 20 games left. So you're talking less than a quarter of the season. I mean, sure, you could get on a heater, but you're far better off getting a guy with 25 games left. And we started to see that a little bit more. Uh, teams are moving guys at least like in the week before in advance but i would not be surprised to see some teams try to jump the gun the problem is there aren't that many sellers and you know the top there there's no guarantee that they move away from their top guys so the prices are going to be really high for now but some team will probably step up to the plate and give them like i'm not talking the four pieces that apparently the Sabres want for Vander Kane. But if they get three really good pieces for him, that wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, can we just talk about how great of a starting point that is for the Sabres? Four, they're asking for a Vander Kane, a guy who's going to be a UFA. He, They're asking for a first-round pick, a prospect, a roster player, and a, and a conditional pick if he re-signs. Yeah, I, I can't remember. Uh, do you remember a four-piece trade? Honestly, the only one, and this is like almost – no, it is 10 years ago now, was the Thrashers trading host out of Pittsburgh. They gave up uh, Coley Armstrong, Angelo Esposito, who was a top prospect at the time and never panned out, a first-round pick, and Eric Christensen. That's the only four-piece trade that I can remember anytime recently. And they did get Dupuis along with Hosa, so – it wasn't like it was a straight one for four. Uh, I mean, maybe the Sabres do that, too. They throw in, uh, I don't know, Josephson for somebody's fourth line or, or Benny Puyo, too, to drive up the the return. But I mean, ask you might as well ask for four, I guess, just because there's no guarantee there's any other top forward that goes. But I don't, if Bottrell can pull that off, then all power to him and congratulations that just seems like a lot yeah and then of course you saw other reports saying um there are other reports indicating that pittsburgh was in talks with buffalo for vander kane which you and i talked before we hit record i we just don't see a world in which pittsburgh has what buffalo is asking Mm -hmm. 
Pittsburgh doesn't have the prospects. The pick is going to – I don't think that pick works. See, that's, that, I guess Rod- that would be your kind of appeal is you hope that, you know, they they barely get in and lose and right away and you get a pick in, like, the 17 to 20 range. I mean, if it holds right now, and I know, like, technically they're in, even though, like, let's ignore the games in hand kind of thing. Let's just say they got in right now and played Tampa and lost. You're looking at, a, you know, the 17th pick in the draft. That's appealing somewhat at least, but that's your main piece. It's tough because, you know, Sprong is a solid prospect, but not a world beater. I don't know if they'd want to part with him anyway. I mean, he's been playing with Crosby, and otherwise you're digging deep. I mean, Botterill does know that, uh, that system since he came from Pittsburgh, but I, I don't know. I I don't think you'll be that gung-ho about any of these guys because there's no one that really stands out that much. I mean, to me, I was always I was looking at the Sharks, I think, make a lot of sense for Kane. I could see uh, potentially Anaheim if they want to make a push. Uh, the, the Blues, there, there's a few different teams in the West that I could see going for it. In the East, I don't, I don't really see it, to be honest, unless it's like Columbus. Columbus always gets talked about, but they've rarely ever make the move. I think they need it. They desperately need the offense right now. They're by far the lowest goals for in the East uh, for playoff teams. The Sharks have one goal less, but Sharks have a bunch of games in hand. So, yeah, I don't, they're a team I think that could desperately use Kane, but uh, we'll talk about them uh, later on. Not today, but closer to the deadline or once we get a better idea of what teams we think are going to buy or sell for sure. Uh, I do want to talk about the Blues goalie situation, though, because I've been writing about uh, Carter Hutton a lot lately. Uh, I did write in that column I mentioned earlier that uh, I think Hutton's going to start at least half the games the rest of the season. He's been absolutely incredible uh, season. Leads the league in goals against and save percentage for people who are qualified. I mean, a 178 goals against and a 942 save percentage is just absurd. So I, I was looking back through his history, and he's never played you know, a ton of games. He's 32 years old. He's basically been a career backup. His numbers have been decent enough for the most part, but obviously nothing like this. And I went back to last season uh, and saw how he ended the year. And Mike Yo took over February 1st last year. I was doing some digging. I, I couldn't remember exactly when uh, he took over for Hitchcock. And in the last eight games of the season last year, he started off uh, the first two games under Yo, two shutouts, then 37 saves on 38 shots. Long story short, he had a 950 save percentage in the last two months of last season, too. So he's been on this absurd run ever since Mike Yo took over. I mean, do I think he's Devin Dubnik? No, he did. You know, Dubnik had this crazy run the, the day he got traded to Minnesota from Arizona with Yo as the coach. But the upside is just so high with Hutton with how he's playing. Uh, we've seen other goalies for the Blues in the past, like Brian Elliott, go on uh, ridiculous runs. I, I don't see why Hutton can't be that guy. And while maybe it tapers off sooner than later. I mean, there's no guarantee in a a month, Allen could be the main guy again, but Hutton's been so good. And, you know, he started 
uh, six of the last, or no, he started five of the last uh, six games for the Blues. He, he appeared in one other one uh, is is in relief after Allen gave up five goals. Allen's just been so bad that I think Yo realizes they kind of have to go with Hutton right now, and Hutton's been so damn good. I mean, I I've been harping on him for a while. I think he should be owned everywhere. He's twenty nine percent owned now, but it, you know it's that's steadily climbing. I just think the upside with him is much higher than you know, anyone else who's who's potentially available on your waiver wire. I mean, he's a guy that if he actually lasts, he could change leagues. He's been that good. I mean, if you look in the player rater for goalies this year, he's absurdly high, even only playing 17 games because his numbers are just ridiculous. Yeah, he's fourth, and you know, the player rater isn't perfect, but... I mean, this is solely in two categories because the wins aren't there. Like him and Flurry are up there; they're in the same boat. Hutton's basically been Flurry with you know three more games played. So, uh, out of all these guys, I think he's definitely the high upside play to make between uh, all these goalies available. Yeah, I agree. Um. Colorado's situation is very interesting, too. Varlamov's been on IR. Uh, he's supposed to come back right after the All-Star break, which is coming up. I mean, Jonathan Bernier has been absolutely incredible. The last six games, all wins. He's given up seven goals total in those six games. Uh, 127 goals against and a 963 save percentage. I mean, obviously that's not uh, sustainable, but... Colorado's not a bad team. I mean, they've ripped off seven in a row. They're right in the thick of the playoff hunt now. Uh, they're dominant at home. They're 16-7-1. and one. Uh, You know, that's probably where they're going to fall off a bit. They've only played 19 road to 24 at home. But I, I think Bernier should be owned any, everywhere now, too. Like, I think he's he might even be more likely than Hutton to keep the job the rest of the way just because Varlamov hasn't been that good. And you never know with the groin injury, too. It might linger. But uh, if you're looking for a, a safer guy, I think Bernier is actually that. Yeah, I, I agree. Bernier has just played so well lately. Yeah, I mean, if you look at his career, his numbers are pretty good for the most part until you, he's had that one bad year his last year in Toronto. But, I mean, last year as a backup, he had a 9.15 in Anaheim. He's had a 9.15 again. Uh, you know, he had a 9.12 on a dumpster fire tanking Toronto team. But even the year before that in Toronto, he had a 9.22 his first year there. So, I mean, I, I think he could be a, you know, a definitely a number three, maybe a number two if he gets the volume. He's decent enough. Um, Philadelphia was another team that I wanted to talk about just because I think Brian Elliott stinks, and I don't get why Neuvert doesn't play more. I mean, Neuvert's playing, uh, we record this Thursday, it'll be up. Uh, he's playing tonight against Toronto, but uh, Elliott's at a 906 save percentage, 284 goals against. Uh, his last seven starts, it's three to five goals against every game. He just he hasn't given them a good game in three weeks, four weeks, and Neuvert still only has nine starts on the year. I just don't understand it, and I, I hope that they go with him because 
he's another guy. He, he had one horrible year. But on the whole, his numbers are actually pretty strong. Uh, you know, 9.24 save percentage two years ago is first in Philly. Uh, 9.18 in Buffalo when they were like the worst team in the league. 9.21 year before that uh, with Washington and then Buffalo and traded him away at the deadline. Yes, he was horrible last year with a 8.91, but that seems to be the outlier to me. And, I mean, I'd feel pretty safe even streaming him tonight against Toronto because Toronto's struggling offensively. I think Neuberth could end up being another decent option. And if I was in a deeper league, I probably would stash him now just in case he takes off. And yeah, uh, it is, no, it is actually frustrating that um, Brian Elliott keeps getting starts. You know, I, I thought teams would have learned their lesson last year after the disaster that happened in Calgary, but apparently they didn't. Um, they keep they keep trying to fucking start him like he was that guy who had the timeshare split in St. Louis and. Mm. I think it was really underrated how incredible that defense that St. Louis blue line was wow. and how good they were defensively. I, like clearly in Calgary, it didn't work. Who actually thinks that now in Philadelphia where their defense is worse than it is in Calgary that, Oh yeah, no, he's going to be great here. Like what? Why? Yeah. I don't get why people keep going back to him. I mean, my, my prediction for Philly was uh, Elliott ends up having negative value the rest of the season. I uh, started off right on track. He gave up five goals on 21 shots in two periods against the Rangers before getting pulled. I just mean, I don't get why teams keep or going, giving him a shot, like at least in a time split. I mean, he started 35 games. There's no reason for that. When he's carrying a 906, like, at least Carolina is trying to hope, you know, Ward or Darling, you know, get on a decent streak. They just are stubborn and keep going to Elliott. He's just not good. <laughs> There's no other way around it. He's just not a good goalie. And it's frustrating because uh, I mean, we talk about, you know, Carolina, they should be in if they have better goaltending. Islanders, if Grice or Halak were playing well, uh, they'd be in. Philly's in the same exact boat as both those teams, and they're too stubborn to go to Neuwirth, and I, I really think Neuwirth could give them a decent run and potentially even sneak them into the playoffs. Yeah, the the playoffs in the East are actually going to be really fascinating for those wildcard spots. I think the Metro division is sort of locked in stone, I would say. Like, oh, at yeah. this point... Oh. Based on the games played, like uh, New Jersey's just been playing so well lately that I, I don't see where they're all of a sudden going to just fall out. Yeah, probably not. I mean, I could see them not finishing top three and sneak again. I mean, at this point, I would pick them to make it. I don't know if I'd go as far as to call them a lock. I would say the locks are, are Washington and Columbus after that. I mean, I put them probably a tier ahead of the other five teams in the division, but not by a ton. I mean, I, I still have some doubts about them, but I, I think, like you said, they're probably far enough ahead now. Uh, 
it's just so many teams have to jump them. And like you said, they have games in hand on literally all five, Everybody. All five of those teams chasing them. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, I would guess that they, that Columbus ends up finishing second, but I don't feel great about that either. So, uh, either way, you're, even if you assume the Devils are in, you're still talking five teams for two spots only. It's going to be quite a battle. Yep. I, I also think there's a decent chance. Like, Boston's a really damn good team. Uh, they might be, like, the third best team in the league, honestly. I think we see them not tank, but kind of just float around where they are, where the Rangers are. Like, I don't think they catch Tampa anyway, but there's a chance that they could. And I think they want to stay where they are and play Toronto. They don't want to get the one seed and then have to play Pittsburgh in the first round. That's not a, really a bonus. I think we see what the Rangers did last year with um, wanting to play Montreal in the first round instead of Washington or Pittsburgh, and you know it, it paid off for them. They beat Montreal. Uh, I think we see Boston stay where they are because I think Boston would work this Toronto team. And again, I don't think we see a tank, but you know I wrote that I think uh, Rask might disappoint in the second half solely from a volume standpoint, because I don't think they're going to push him. I think you're going to see them follow follow the Rangers' path from last year and give Kadobin some games. Yeah, I think Kadobin is going to end up being a decent streamer down the stretch for people. Um, You know, he's played 15 games this year and he's got a 9-24. You know, Rask has started 28 games, so, you know, he's only on pace to play – uh, I don't know, 55-ish games anyway. But I think they're going to keep him in. I don't. They're going to keep him in that range. I don't think they're going to give him more. I think Kadobin is going to be pushing 30-ish starts by the end of the year. Yeah, it'll be. Uh, I'm fascinated to see what Toronto, what Boston does. Toronto has been slumping on the goals scoring Friday. I know people are saying, "Oh, they already have 147 goals in the year. How are they slumping?" They've had a lot of goals for a while, and lately they're just not putting the puck in the net. Like mm-hmm. their game, they lost to St. Louis two to one. I think it was in Toronto too. Yeah. Like that's not a good game. Like they have to be winning these games. Yeah, they actually if, they were actually up with like a minute or two left, and, and they blew it. I mean, their MVP is Frederick Anderson. I didn't mean yes. to play off, but like Anderson's just been incredible and. He's not getting the credit he deserves because we were both a little worried about him. I mean, I had him ranked pretty highly, uh, not compared to some people. Some people had him in, like, the top 40. I had him in, like, that tier of potential goalies. And he kind of panned out how I thought, you know, solid save percentage, uh, good wins, but bad goals against. But the save percentage has been even better than I thought. Um, The problem with Toronto – with Frederick Anderson being their MVP, is that if it's not Austin Matthews, then they have a problem with how they're playing. Well, Matthews, right? I mean, you could argue Matthews, too. I just think, you know, he's been hurt. I think the problem isn't with Matthews. I mean, his point production is almost right at a point per game. Sure, he's down a little bit lately, but the problem is the assists aren't there at all for him. The assists aren't there, which means he's not dry. He's not uh, his teammates aren't producing. But the bigger, I don't know. The bigger problem to me is you're just not getting anything. You know, Marner and Nylander have fallen off quite a bit. Uh, I mean, 
they're not too far off last year's pace, at least in Nylander's case, but they're just, they haven't taken a step forward like everyone assumed. Kadri has like one point in his last 12 or 12 games or 17. It's some absurd streak and it's a goal. He doesn't have an assist in an eternity. Uh, that's really hurting them. It's hard to do that. Yeah. Like, it's hard to not even fumble, like to fall into an assist. Right. And you're not getting anything from the blue line uh, except really Riley. I mean, Gardner's been okay, but back compared to last year with Zaitsev on IR, he wasn't having a good offensive season really anyway. Uh, it's just, it's a really tough situation for them because they don't, they have their own rentals already. Like they have JVR. Uh, you have Bozak, uh, Leo Komarov, who's not been good, but you know I don't think they can add too much unless they're trading like rental for rental. And what's the point? I mean, JVR is still uh, tied for their team leading goals with Matthew. They can't really afford to get rid of him, but I don't know if they'll be able to afford to keep him either. So it's I think we're gonna. Well, see that's why they say it's like an own rental, but right? Does that work? Like. Just, okay, so if you're um, Brendan Shanahan, do you think you're winning it this year? Do you like? No, are, I mean, you can't realistically think you're better than Boston or Tampa in your own division, right? Like, if you don't think you're going to win it this year, and you're still going to make the like, if they get rid of JVR, if they sell JVR, they're still making the playoffs, right? Like, they've yeah. built up such a cushion; they're up eleven points on. Detroit, Detroit yeah. and Detroit, I I think is going to start to fall hard. Mm-hmm. Um, you can afford to sell JVR, just say okay, like we get more pieces, so that next year at the deadline when we are a cup contender, we can flip those pieces for uh, a rental that we need. That's like, fair. I mean, I, it's possible. I don't know if they'd consider it. I think they should. Um, I mean, you have Kasperi Kapanen in the system. I think he's honestly ready. There's a few other guys in their their prospect system I think they could call up, and it wouldn't be the end of the world. It's a tough decision, man. (laughs) They've been so bad for a long time, and, yeah, they got in last year and gave the Capitals a good fight. The expectations were so high, maybe people would see it as a disappointment if they lost in the first round of Boston. But, I mean, to me, Boston's just – They've far exceeded my expectations. They're just a really good team. So I don't know what Toronto's going to do. They're one of those teams like the Rangers are in the same boat, uh, although I think the Rangers are more likely to sell their runnels than Toronto is. But I mean, they're in a playoff spot. They're not a real contender. What do you do? And, you know, part of, you know, we're a month away, so we don't know for sure. But I, I do think, you know, given that the market is so. Uh, a bear, I think they should consider moving JVR. I mean, for top wingers, Kane's going to go. And after that, it's question marks. I mean, there's no guarantee Pacioretty or Hoffman are going to go. Uh, well, JVR is not far behind those two guys. So I think they should consider it if they can get a, a good haul for them and get ready to go next year again because I think they'll just have a better chance. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's there is some chance, right, that like Nylander and Marner get back on track, and you know Marner has been much better lately. Maybe they get going, uh, and 
BYU have a better chance this year, but I just I don't know. I have my doubts still about uh, this team defensively. I think it's more likely than not they make a trade at the deadline for a defenseman. I, I don't know who that guy necessarily is, but I think they're going to add somebody in hope that if that makes a difference. I personally don't see it. I think, you know, eventually Timothy Logren and you know, some of their other prospects could help, but I'm not sure this year that it's going to make a world of difference. Uh, is there anything else you want to talk about before we do like a two point challenge or anything? Um, no, I don't think there was any like really hot button issue other than, um, Keith Kincaid is starting for New Jersey tonight. Oh, uh, yeah. When they Schneider, play Washington. yeah. Schneider has the flu. He didn't play last game either, but it doesn't sound like uh, anything too serious. I guess we could touch on uh, Pittsburgh quick. Um, yeah. You know, Murray was away for a while, personal reasons. Uh, just came out that he went home. His, his father passed away. Condolences to him. Uh, I mean, we don't know how long he's going to be gone. Uh, wouldn't surprise me if it's the next week or so until the all-star break and then he comes back. Uh, so I guess Tristan Jari will be the guy uh, looked really good in the beginning yesterday. And then they just got blitzed by Anaheim giving up four rolls in the second. And his numbers on the season are above average Jari. Uh, it, they play the Kings tonight, which isn't a great matchup on a back to back, but probably won't be a high scoring game given that it's a back-to-back, and I just I assume that they're going to roll him. I mean, I can't imagine they're actually going to play Casey to Smith. So I would be fine using Jari for the short term. Hope for the best. Um, the other injury really was Ryan Johansson got a head hit in the head. Um, he took part in practice Wednesday, which was a bit surprising, but uh, who knows if he's going to play tonight on, on uh, against the Coyotes. Hardson went on IR after getting hit in practice on Monday, and Forsberg's already out, so it's kind of like their playoff run last year where all these guys were going down. They really need uh, Johansson. Uh, if they want to get the one seed or whatever, win the division ahead of Winnipeg, uh, he's got to be back sooner than later. Short-term value. I mean, Turris gets a boost. Um, you know, Fiala, who was on a ridiculous heater, went absolutely ice cold. Then scored their winner uh, one nothing against uh, Vegas the other day. I could see him getting on a decent run because their their matchups are really good. And I think you could use even like Yarn Croak because the minutes are up in Craig Smith too. Yeah, that to me, if the Arvidsson and Forsberg injuries take like three weeks, that could be a team where I where I could envision them making a trade on a forward before the deadline. Yeah, I mean everything's in play for them. They're clearly going for it. Um, also, to catch Winnipeg, they're one point back, but have three games in hand. That's, oh, yeah, it's more. That is a lot of it's, games yeah. to have in hand. It's more. Somewhat. It's more holding them back than catching them, really. Um, Forsberg, they're saying end of January, beginning of February, so a couple weeks only. But who knows with the other guys? Hopefully, it's nothing serious. Uh, so for the three points, we're looking at Kucherov. Tavares, Kessel, McKinnon, Goudreau, Giroux, five-way tie for uh, second in points. Uh, Blake Wheeler and Borchek, one behind those guys. And then Stamkos and McDavid, one behind Wheeler and Borchek. So nine guys with 52 to 54 points. Crazy cluster right now. 
Um, as far as you know, games on the schedule goes, uh, the Sabres are playing the Rangers on NBC. The Rangers look better, but I wouldn't trust any of their guys for three points. Um, don't really like Washington, New Jersey. Although Washington is kind of in play, given Kincaid's in net. Boston, the Islanders have to like Boston guys. I mean, the Islanders defensively are a sieve. But that being I, said, the Islanders uh, guys you kind of have to like too because they just score on everybody. And the uh, Bergeron Marshawn line can't line up against both Tavares and Matthew Barzell. Like right. you're going to have to pick one and say we're going to shut it down because. Mm-hmm. I like whatever one they match up with. I love the living shit out of the other line. I, I think that game could get really high scoring. Right. Um, Toronto Philly. I would not touch that game. Nor versus net. And Toronto's playing well defensively. Can't score. Dallas Columbus in Columbus. I, I mean, I don't trust Dallas guys against Columbus in Columbus. Bishop hasn't been good on the road. So I mean, they don't, Columbus doesn't really have anyone to even consider besides Panarin, so I don't know about that. Uh, St. Louis guys you have to like in Ottawa. Uh, Tampa at home against Vegas. I mean, you can't really take the top Tampa guys anyway. Vegas is unappealing on the road in Tampa. And obviously Nashville guys in theory against Arizona, but who are you going to take? They're all hurt. Uh, Sharks, Colorado, a really good game. Again, two teams that are playing defensively lately, and Pittsburgh and the Kings have been defensive teams lately. I mean, Pittsburgh, I'm assuming, could be on the second of a back-to-back. They're not going to try to get I mean, get in this track match. Maybe they will just because I don't know if the Kings could do that, but uh, I don't know. I, I'm not feeling a ton of goals around the league tonight. Yeah, um, I'll say this. That Kings-Pittsburgh game, that makes me really interested in Anze Kopitar. Mm-hmm. Um, like the problem with Pittsburgh on a back to back is that's on back to backs on the sec on the second half you really have to rely on the depth on your team, and that's what we were just sort of bashing Pittsburgh about. I think before we hit record is they don't have depth. Like their top three forwards are all scoring at a really high pace, mm-hmm. and nobody else is doing anything for them. So, like, you can't – to me, it's really hard to sit here and say, like, yeah, Pittsburgh's going to go on a second half of a back-to-back with uh, Tristan Jerry. They might trot back out there and say, no, they got it, after they were just in a track meet. And I don't know if they have the defensemen to slow the game down. Right. I I don't know if they have that. And then, of course, do the Kings have the forwards to speed the game up? I think Kopitar could speed the game up. But then I'm also worried that he's going to be in a shutdown role against Malkin or Crosby. Right, so. that's kind of what I expected, and that makes it a little tougher. Yeah. So for my three-point challenge, I'm actually torn. I have two guys that I really like um, that I, I actually think both are going to get the three points. Um, right now it's between Kyle Turris and Matthew Barzel. Like, there are heaters and then there's whatever the fuck Matthew Barzell's on because right. it is just absolutely insane. And I think the Bergeron line is going to match up with Tavares. That's probably true, yeah. So to me, that makes that makes Barzell's line that much more dangerous. And with Josh Bailey coming back, it'll be that much more stress on the Marshawn-Bergeron line to shut that line down. Leaving, again, Matthew Barzell's line just free to do whatever the fuck it wants. 
mm-hmm. which is pretty much everything because that's what they get to do right now. They get to do just anything they want. Um, and then the other one's Kyle Turris because it's a revenge game against a franchise that did him wrong and it's at home and he's going to get a ton of minutes. So uh, I'm probably going to go with Matthew Barzil here, but I think Kyle Turris is also going to hit the three points as well. Yeah, I like Turris a decent amount for, for DFS. I have no faith in this Ottawa team right now. I just think they're a fucking mess. But to be does honest. anybody? Yeah, I don't think so. So I'm, I'm going to go with Tarasenko. Uh, I think Shen is in play. I think even Stasty's in play. He's on a decent heater right now. I, he's one of those guys that always goes between like bottom end hold and streamer. And you know, he has, let's see, eight points in his last six games. So I, I would own him for the time being. I just think Ottawa... <laughs> Is just not good anymore at this point, and uh, I like that top line to cause some problems. So I'll, I'll go with Tarasenko. Uh, you can make your picks at hockey.rasball.com. It'll be the first post on the website. If you have any topics you want us to discuss in the future, uh, write in the comment section. Uh, reach out to us on Twitter. Uh, follow me at rasballviz. Read is at cash with the K seventeen. Anything else, Reed? Um, no. I'm looking forward to tonight's games. I'm looking forward to Brian Boyle and Brian Gibbons being the only two guys to hit the three-point challenge <laughs> tonight and just completely fucking us over. Nice. But, Sounds yeah, I'm looking right. Yeah, or uh, everybody who's in the top ten in scoring also gets the three-point challenge, but we could not pick them. Right. Yeah, so. it's certainly in play, uh, especially with, like, uh, ah, there's just a few matchups that – for the top guys are are definitely appealing. I mean, you look at, I mean, Tavares, if they do not, if they end up not getting Bergeron against them the whole time, uh, I mean, the Philly guys even could, could go off at any time. And McKinnon, I think the Sharks are going to have some problem with his speed. So that's the point of the three-point challenge. So you can't go with the top guys. So, uh, Hopefully I can finally get on the damn board and try to catch up to you. (laughs) Um, Yeah, good luck. Yeah. Uh, So that's all for now. We'll be back next week, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Take it easy.